Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan One sentence summary Sex at Dawn challenges all conventional views on sex at once by diving deep into our ancestors' sexual history, the rise of monogamy, and delivering starting points for thinking over our understanding of what sex and relationships should really look like. My favorite quote from the author is The bigger the society is, the less functional shame becomes. Have you ever considered that you are most likely to read books whose message you already agree with? For example, the four-hour workweek was right what I wanted to hear, and I'm assuming that's a big part of the reason why I read it in the first place. Sex at Dawn argues against monogamy, and the person who I heard about it from also does. I'm at the other end of the spectrum, which makes reading this uncomfortable for me, but that also means I'm learning. Christopher Ryan caused a whole lot of trouble with this one in 2010, but he also got a lot of people to think. Here are the three things I think about most. 1. Agriculture marked the beginning of monogamy, and not in a good way. 2. Women want sex just as much as men, but are conditioned to play it down. 3. Our bodies have evolved to thrive in sexual competition. So let's start asking some weird questions. Sex at Dawn, Lesson 1 Monogamy first rose with agriculture, but not in a good way. This answers the question, when did monogamy historically first appear? The switch from our ancestors' sexual sharing-is-caring mentality in their hunter-gatherer tribes occurred once we started to settle down and farm our own food. Ryan argues this was hurtful to two things. One, our diet, and two, our sex lives. Before, we just eat whatever we find and thus naturally have a high variety of foods and nutrients. But once we started mass-producing the same few things, we took a toll on our health. Similarly, since hunter-gatherers didn't settle, they didn't own much, neither possessions nor people in the form of long-term partners. Now, for the first time in history, there was a difference between rich and poor. Those who had more land or a bigger farm were more prosperous. The tendency to try and own as much as possible brought out greed and jealousy in humans. Since the men did all the farming, the women lost their gatherer jobs and were now stuck taking care of the children. It now became important for men to know the children they own, quote-unquote, in order to pass on the prosperous life they had built to them. The only way to make sure of this was to get a woman, a woman to stay with them which ended up in public scrutiny of women who had sex with different partners, violence against women, and of course, marriage. Sex at Dawn, Lesson 2 Women want sex just as much as men, but are conditioned to play it down. This answers the question, does the sex drive of men and women differ? Simultaneously to the creation of marriage and the family, the notion arose that women's libido is lower than men's. Because of men's high testosterone levels and their, especially today, often competitive behavior around women, the message we receive in public and the media is that women are prudes and less hungry for sex. That's wrong. Studies have shown that women's libido is just as strong and a lot more complex than men's. When both hetero and homosexual women and men were shown erotic video videos while their arousal was measured by checking how much blood flowed to their genitals, all groups were aroused equally. Women's sexuality seems to be more fluid, however, as they were aroused by a much bigger variety of images, for example, even monkeys having sex. Interestingly, 
when asked to describe their arousal, the majority of the women in the study played it down. Further proof that our society encourages women to be less sexual and that the expectation is for them to be prudish. Sadly, we've gotten to a point where a lot of women comply. Sex at Dawn, Lesson 3 Our bodies are made for sexual competition. This answers the question, what are some typically sexual traits of our bodies? This is getting long, so I'll be brief. Here are a few quick facts that hint at our bodies having evolved for lots of sex with many different partners. 1. A man's testicles are stored outside the body for optimum sperm temperature and conservation. 2. The shape of the penis is for high sperm precision. 3. The thrusting motion during sex might be a way to try and quote-unquote pump out other man's sperm. 4. Sperm has chemicals in it that protects the first few drops from other man's sperm. 5. Men are taller than women because women prefer their sexual partners to be taller. 6. Women moan loudly. Women moaning loudly might be a call to attract further men to try and fertilize them. 7. Women take longer to orgasm and can have sex longer to maximize potential partners for a successful impregnation. Are these interesting? Yes. Are they weird? Hell yeah. But interesting nonetheless. Especially because there's also scientific research to show our bodies have evolved for monogamy. I guess which one you believe is up to you. Which brings me right back to the first paragraph and to the question, when you read these facts, what do you think? And more importantly even, is that just what you want to hear? My personal takeaways from Sex at Dawn for 2017. I have a few things to share about this very controversial book. I first of all would like to read you the passage I wrote back when I reviewed it because in this case I, I think it's still pretty accurate. So let me read that to you. I do not agree with the message of this book, but that doesn't mean I didn't learn from it. However, in spite of it mainly promoting polygamy, it also makes some amends. The book does say we must not confuse sex and love since they are two distinct things. Loving a single person more than anyone else is possible but that doesn't align your sex drive to only be aroused by that person. Similarly, just because an affair is exciting, that doesn't make it true love. Maybe the most important point of the book is this. Don't take sex so seriously. See it as the biological impulse it is and respect that your sometimes odd sexual behavior is a remnant of the past. I was fascinated by the findings about the evolution of our bodies to have sex a lot and with different partners, as it completely contradicts the evidence found in the book Why is Sex Fun?, which points to our bodies evolving for monogamy, not against it. So as you can see, there's, as always, contrary evidence in both directions. The other book, Why is Sex Fun?, uh, hints at several factors why women's bodies, especially in men's too, might have evolved for monogamy, not against it. So that's very interesting to balance the perspectives here. The second part I think that's very interesting is to not take sex so seriously. And by that I don't mean in terms of what young kids do these days where like, oh, sex doesn't matter, let me just sleep around, blah, blah, blah. No, what I mean, it's, uh, I think it is that it's not that important. So it's a wonderful part of love, part of life. It's uh, beautiful when you have the right partner and so on and so forth. That's all true. But I think what a lot of people do is they use sex as escapism. So because 
we we're in the position to have lots of sex without the consequences which is having children um and uh, it's such a gratifying behavior a lot of people would like to have a lot of sex but i think that's mostly because it's just like watching tv or um maybe reading a good book or maybe going to the water park because it's it's a way of distracting yourself it's a it's a fun distraction it's a good activity it's good for your health it's very easy to justify having a lot having a lot of sex when you might not even need that much or when you seriously ask yourself well i technically don't need it that often and so on and so forth so the point i'm trying to make is don't let sex become uh, some form of escapism for you when you know that there are very, more important things in your life than you want to do That said, of course, don't undervalue it and don't cut it out of your life and so on. So there's a balance to be found here. And I think one more uh, interesting thing is from the quote at the very beginning, the bigger the society is, the less functional shame becomes. I think that's definitely true. And you can transfer that very much from sex to all other aspects of life, especially when it comes to your opinions and the things you love doing. So we have such a big society. We're so worried about what everyone else thinks. So if you can stop doing that, that will help you finally make the move, whether that's a flirting move or a business move or a project move or an art move, but whatever move you need to make to become happier and not give a damn about other people's opinions.